0: All right. All right. Nice to see you today. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. We're talking about how to fight our battles. You know, traffic can feel like a battle, can it? I, uh, I had a guy this week, he came right up behind me, right on my tail end, and I looked up in the rearview mirror and kind of, he scared me, and then immediately I couldn't get out of his way because there was a car right here beside me, so he cuts over two lanes of traffic and then goes around all of us and cuts back over two lanes of traffic and just keeps going. And I just sort of internally totally lost my cool. I mean, my inner pastor was not welling up, okay? The Hulk was welling up road rage was welling up and I remember I'm just like come on man you ever get mad in traffic you just kind of lose your mind for a minute and I remember I'm I'm just frustrated and I, I thought to myself like why am I so angry right now and my first thought was well I'm angry because this is irresponsible driving I'm angry because other people could get hurt Then I thought about it a little more, and I realized that I'm actually angry because this person, not because they threatened other people's safety, but because I felt like they threatened my safety, right? I'm actually angry because this person is driving like it's all about them, when honestly, it's all about me. Come on, man. Like my frustration and anger, the more I thought about it, the more I realized was actually one of my issues. If I'm just left to autopilot in my life, if I just sort of cruise along, my default temptation will be to make everything about me. My desires, my wants, my likes, my needs. And I think that's probably true of most of us. And certainly we live in a culture that tends to make it all about us. You think about marketing and advertising and commercials. You think about um, even like TV. You used to just watch TV. You could watch like three channels. I know some of you have a hard time even understanding that. It was a long time ago. But today you've got all kinds of different apps and you can curated playlists and man, there's nothing more frustrating than somebody logging into your Netflix account and using your user profile to watch their shows. I go on, my daughter's been on my Netflix account, now I got romance stuff that they're recommending me. I'm like, hey, where's the blow up stuff? What's going on? But it just throws the whole thing off because I'm used to curated playlists. I'm used to people kind of uh, playing into my needs and my wants. Food, you know, you used to when you eat with family, you just sort of get what's put on the table but now you can order food, it's delivered, dropped right at your door, you can get it exactly like you want it, you know, you can track like that. Even like social media, you know, it used to be when you got news and information, there were three or four sources and that's what you got. Now you can just sort of delete and mute and add and you can kind of create your own little bubble. It's very easy for us to start making life all about ourselves, which is why what we're gonna be talking about today is so important, and that is the power of worship. Worship is really a reminder that life isn't about me, life is about God. Life isn't about my fame, it's about God's fame, about my comfort, it's about God's name. And when I get that orientation, it empowers me to fight my battles. Listen, a God-first life is a big life, It's a big life. A me first life can be a pretty small life, but a God first life is a big life that unlocks your God given potential. In fact, here's a thought when you put God first in your life, He goes first in your battles. When you put God first in your life, He goes first. In your battles now we've been talking about how to manage our battles uh, a lot of us are facing battles in our lives and we've been looking over the last several weeks at tools that God has given us to face those battles and we've got some icons here just to kind of overview but week one we talked about prayer as one of the ways we face our battles and and the power of prayer in our life last week we talked about God's word as a way that we face our battles today we're going to talk about worship then we're going to look at gratitude generosity and remembrance all of of these things remind us that life is fundamentally not about us, but about God, that we are second to who he is. It empowers us to depend on him in our lives. And it reminds us, God doesn't want to just be number one in your praise. He wants to be number one in your problems. He wants to be number one in your problems. And so today we're going to look at the story of Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat. Um, who was a king in Israel. Jehoshaphat ruled at a time where the Israelites had land. They were actually going through this religious revival. Like, amazing things were happening spiritually in their lives. They're growing in their faith. They're leaning into God. God's moving and working in their hearts and in their lives. It's an awesome thing, but precisely when they're having this sort of religious revival, three different armies show up on Israel's border and declare war on Israel. Which just goes to remind you, some of you, COVID has been an experience that's flipped your life upside down, and you've been through your own spiritual and religious awakening in this season. You've been more open to God, you've been showing up at church or watching online, you've been leaning in. Some of you have prayed more in the last year than at any point in your life. And just because you're leaning into God and leaning into your faith, that doesn't mean you won't face battles. Precisely when King Jehoshaphat is leading a religious revival in the nation of Israel, that's when the armies show up at the door. You could almost argue that when you start walking closely with God, expect a battle. When you start walking closely with God, expect the armies to show up at the door. And in this case, there were three armies, not just one. And King Jehoshaphat knows, like, wow. This is, uh, you know, this is crazy. Like, he, he knows that he can't handle it on his own. So he calls the people to prayer and to fasting. And then we see this amazing passage in, um, in the book of uh, Second Chronicles, chapter 20, beginning in verse 6, where Jehoshaphat prays and asks God to move and work. And when we get to the red word here, help me out. But, he, but here's what he prays. He says, O oh Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. What? No one can stand against you. He says, God, you're awesome. You're strong. You're powerful. No one can stand against you. And so he acknowledges who God is. He leans into God publicly and he says, God, we need you. In fact, he'll go on and say, We're helpless. When's the last time you heard a leader of anything get up and go, We're helpless? He goes, we're helpless, we're powerless, God. We can't beat these armies. We need you. So he leads out with prayer, he leads out with worship, and he acknowledges that God is first. And so it's a challenge for all of us when it comes to worship in our lives to put God first. I know for me, I, um, uh, several years ago, I got to go down to Texas, and I um, went to Texas Stadium and saw the Dallas Cowboys play the Philadelphia Eagles in a Monday night game. It was awesome. These are rival teams. Now it wasn't the best year, um, which is typical for the Cowboys the last 30 years, but um, <laughs> Cowboys weren't really winning and the Eagles were having an amazing year. So we knew we were going to lose, right? But it didn't matter. It was a chance to go to a Monday night game, you know, back when we could do that. And, um, you know, so we went down and I, I, I just booked a hotel. I tried to get one that was cheap. Um, I, I don't know how it all happened, but I basically ended up in the only hotel uh, that was still available, and it was filled with Eagles fans. And so, you know, everywhere I went, you know, I had my Cowboys jersey on there, you know, all Eagles fans everywhere, and they're giving me grief. They're talking smack. They were brutal, right? And we weren't good. So, you know, all I could say is, well, you know, how many Super Bowls have you won in your franchise's history? Just like saying we were good in the 70s and the 90s, we'll be back. Anyway, I go into this stadium. If you've ever been to like a Monday night or a Thursday night or playoff kind of like environment in sports, it's electric, right? It's crazy. The people stood the entire game. Like they never sat down. They just stood for hours and they cheered and they yelled and we knew we were gonna lose. We knew that it was all but hopeless and certain. I think it was 49 to 21. We knew it was gonna be that. We didn't even care. People were yelling and screaming and cheering. We were bringing all that we were to celebrate all that the cowboys weren't. (laughs) And we were making noise and having fun doing it. When you think about worship, somebody define worship this way. Worship is bringing all that you are to celebrate all that God is. And If we can go into a sports arena and make noise, if we can yell and shout and cheer and clap for a football team that wasn't even good, how much more should we worship and praise and clap and make noise for our God, who is good and loving and merciful, who has done so much for all of us in our lives? That's worship. Worship's music, but it's not just music. Worship is also responding with everything in our lives. Here's the the thing. Jehoshaphat, he prays, he cries out to God, and he puts God first in his life. And here's the paradox and the mystery that we see in his life. When you step down, God steps up. When you step down from number one in your life and you make God number one, he steps up. When you step down and humble yourself before God and ask for his help, God steps up. When you lift God up, he shakes things up. And Jehoshaphat models this. For the people. Now, the Spirit of God falls on the people, and Second Chronicles um, tells us that one individual is inspired as a spokesman for God, and he speaks up and he speaks this prophetic word over Jehoshaphat and over the people. It's Second 2 Chronicles twenty fifteen. It's kind of our key verse that we've looked at throughout this teaching series, and it goes like this: This is what the Lord says: Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not what yours, but God's. Turn up somebody next to you and say, the battle is not yours. Some of you, you can't hear it enough right now. The battle is not yours alone. You still have to face the battle. You may still have to fight in the battle, but you have a God who will own the battle beside you. You have a God who is bigger than the battle. You have a God who will stand with you in the battle. And worship reminds us that God is with us, that God stands beside us. That's why it's so important. We come together in church. What do we do? We sing and we worship. And what are we doing? We're lifting up God. We're acknowledging who he is. We're humbling ourselves before him. And in doing that, we're going to get strength and we're going to get power to move forward into the battles that we face in our lives. Look, I get it. Sometimes getting to church can be a challenge. Sometimes even watching online can be a challenge. Sometimes it feels like we're surrounded by so many battles and so many enemies. And sometimes Sunday morning or Saturday night trying to do church can be the most stressful time in the week in our lives. It can be hard to get there, hard to get the kids ready, hard to get in the car. Sometimes you fight all the way to church. Sometimes if you're coming physically, you pull in the church parking lot and you're like, all right, everybody get on your best behavior. Everybody pull it together. Act like we love each other. We will resume this fight when we leave this parking lot. That's just, and if you feel like that's only you and you're the only one and you shouldn't call yourself a Christian, man, all you need to do is just understand that's happening to a whole lot of people pulling onto the parking lot. That's just life. Right, that's life, but, but here's why we show up, here's why we worship, here's why we sing, because it fills us with power and perspective, because it reminds us of who God is. Listen, well, bowing down spiritually is not bailing out. Humbling ourselves before God is not quitting. We're getting rejuvenated to go back into the battle. We're acknowledging that God is first in our lives, and we're singing in the face of our problems. Some of you are like, well, I I can't I can't sing, you know. I'm not look, the Bible doesn't say you have to make a perfect noise. The Bible doesn't even say you need to make an on-pitch noise. The Bible just says make a joyful noise. (laughs) Emphasis on joyful and noise. I can't sing. Some of you love the pandemic because you come in church and be like, nobody knows if I'm singing or not. (laughs) I'm good. But as you grow in your faith, whether you're a singer or not, you realize the power of music. And you realize that worship, fundamentally, it's not even about us. As you grow in your faith, it's not about the style of music. It's not about whether you like the songs this week or last week. It's not, because listen, you get to a place where you come to church for God, not for the speaker, for God. You come to worship for God. You show up for God. You give and are generous For God. It's about God and lifting him up, putting him first in your life. Your problems are going to try to convince you that they are too big to solve. Listen, our obstacles will try to scare us into thinking that they're too big to get over. Whatever opposition you're facing right now in your life, it's going to try and scare you into feeling alone and powerless. But worship reminds you that no one can stand against the one who stands with you. Nobody can stand against the one who stands with you. That he's limitless, that God is powerful, and so worship gives you hope, it gives you courage, it gives you clarity that you need to step forward into the fight. Not maybe clarity about how things will turn out, but clarity knowing that no matter what happens, your God is with you, and no one can stand against you. So I've seen in my own life that trouble is often a test to put God first. And worship is one of the ways that I can put him first. And when I worship, that worship actually becomes a weapon. It's how I fight my battles. Because when we sing and we worship, what happens? We shift the focus from the problem to our provider. right? We shift the focus from the situation to our sustainer, from the enemy to our advocate, from the fight to the one who fights with you. So when we lift God up, he shakes things up. Here's a second thought when it comes to worship in our lives, and that is to stand and praise. To stand and praise. It's how we leverage worship as a weapon. How many of you love music? How many love music? Music people. All right. Have you ever noticed how like song lyrics can stick in your head forever? In fact, I just pulled some, some, uh, some old classic songs from a few different music genres. Uh, let's just see if you, can, if you can fill these in. This is Coolio here. Uh, Keep spending most our lives living in the what? Gangster. Some of you, you don't know your friend or your kid's cell phone number, but you still remember this, right? All right, all right, here, here's one more, just classic Rolling Stones. Uh, I can't get no what? satisfaction, there it is, right, it'll be in our heads, some of you, you'll be, you'll have that earworm for the rest of the day, you're welcome, all right, one more from the country world, little Garth Brooks, I got friends in what, low places, they go to Central, and we love them, have you noticed how lyrics get stuck in our head and they just stay there? They're implanted there. And you know, my mom used to always tell me, like, be careful, Judd, about that music you listen to. You know, it'll impact you. No, no, I'm, I'm above all that. That doesn't affect me. I can still rip off lyrics from 20 years ago, right? They're still in my mind. And the same is true of worship. There is a power when we put biblical words and imagery to music and we sing it and we reinforce it and we sing it again. There's a power. Sometimes you need to turn off the coolio. (laughs) Sometimes you need to turn off the garth. Sometimes you need to turn on the worship. You need to turn on the, the gospel, the praise. You need to Put on music that will lift your spirits and lift your heart. It's one of the ways you fight your battles. Like God comes to Jehoshaphat. There's three armies at the door. It's ugly. It's bad. He cries out to God. We don't know what to do. God speaks through his prophet who says, look, you know, the Lord's with you. The battle's not yours. God's going God's to gonna move and work. Then he tells Jehoshaphat, here's what I want you to do, Jehoshaphat. I want you to send the worship leaders out first. So not not the not the Israeli seals. Not the marines. Get the band guy. And you send the singers and the worship leaders out first ahead of the army and they're going to praise my name and then the army is going to follow them. And so here's what we see. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 beginning in verse 21. It tells us kind of, kind of what what the uh, the song is that they sang. Look at this. It says, "This is what they sang." Okay, this, these are the, this, these are the words. Give thanks to the Lord; His faithful love endures forever. Now think about this, your family's on the line, they're on your borders, this could be your life, your future, your kids' lives, it's bad, it's nine one one, and yet they still go out and they sing, give thanks to the Lord, even though we might die. Give thanks to the Lord, even though we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. Listen, I saw a documentary this last week. It was so powerful. Uh, PBS produced it. um, It's on on the Black Church. It's called the Black Church. Uh, Very powerful. But one one of the things that this documentary talked about was in all the oppression and all of the abuse that has stained our country over hundreds of years, it is worship that has gotten oppressed people Through that oppression and difficulty, it is worship that empowered people who were scared to death to walk into picket lines and to protest in the 60s when they didn't know what would happen to them or to their future or to their families, but they were willing to pay the price with their life if need be. And it shows clips of people, and we've seen this, but just being reminded when they're being arrested and they're in these moments, what are they doing? They're singing. And what songs are they singing? It ain't the Rolling Stones. They're singing about Jesus and God and His love and His power. It's the song. They're singing, Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. They're in a battle, but they still give thanks. They don't know what's coming in the future, but they still give thanks. It's horribly unjust and incredibly unfair and devastatingly horrible, but they still give thanks because worship is the weapon that's the weapon and it's still our weapon today it's a weapon we can leverage in the battle now check out what happens second chronicles chapter 20 they saying give thanks to the lord his faithful love endures forever now check me check this out when we get to this red word and say it out loud here with me it says at the very what Moment, at the moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. At that moment when they sang, God basically God takes the enemy armies and they get all confused. Like, man, what's that sound? I don't know what the, I think they're making. Shoot killed some of those guys, and they start fighting amongst themselves. And ultimately, they defeat themselves. It is worship that goes before, just as it is God that goes before in his people's lives to make a way. One of the main reasons we worship is because God is worthy of that worship. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy. (laughs) The Cowboys, not so worthy. Come on. Your team, as good as they may be, not so worthy. But God is always worthy. So we can come in and make a joyful noise to him. By the way, that doesn't mean you bring your tambourines and you bring your own personal guitar. Just saying. But we make a joyful noise to the Lord. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy because He created us. God is worthy because we're His children. God's worthy because we're His idea. God's worthy because He's good. He's worthy because He's kind. He's worthy because He's compassionate. He's worthy because He's holy and true. The Father of lights in whom there is no shadow. He's worthy because He's faithful. He's worthy because He sees us through the ups and downs. He's faithful through our failures and sins. He's faithful through the breakup. through the divorce he's faithful through the dark times and the valleys he's worthy because he loves you even when it hurts because he loves you even when it costs him everything in Jesus he's worthy and when you're in the middle of a battle and you can't even see in front of you sometimes you just need that reminder God's still worthy even though my situation is filled with suffering God's still worthy even though there are armies at the gate, armies at the border, the army of cancer or the army of oppression or the army of poverty or the army of you name it. But God's still worthy. He's worthy because Jesus died for you. He's worthy because Jesus rose for you. He's worthy because Jesus is alive, standing before the throne, giving intercession for you. Jesus is worthy. He never sinned, he never failed, he never compromised. He's worthy because he purchased you with his blood. We are bought and paid for by his goodness. He set us free, free to serve him, free to follow him, free to reign with him. Jesus is worth your praise because he declared you are worth his sacrifice. And so we come and we lift him up and he shakes things up. So as for me, I'm going to praise him. I'm gonna stand and praise him. I'm gonna praise him when times are good, and I'm gonna praise him when they're not so good. I'm gonna praise him when I feel blessed, and I'm gonna praise him when I feel broken. I'm gonna praise him when the money's good, and I'm gonna praise him when the money dries up. I'm gonna praise him when others notice me, I'll praise him when I go ignored. I'll praise him when I'm overwhelmed with love, and I'll praise him when I feel abandoned. I'm gonna praise him when I feel safe, and I'm gonna praise him when I feel threatened. I'm gonna praise him when I feel understood, and praise him when I am misunderstood. I will praise him when I feel like it. And perhaps most importantly, I will praise him when I don't feel like it. It's a weapon. And in the midst of that, you're going to see God move and work and shake things up in your life. I have a friend. He went through what had to be one of the most horrible things a parent could ever go through. His son had to have multiple brain surgeries at a young age, and they were trying to deal with this medical condition that was incredibly rare and complex. And it felt like all of these surgeries and the travel and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in doctor's offices and then in hospitals and all of this stuff that that they had gone through, all of it wasn't really adding up to any help for his son. It seemed like he was just getting worse. The medical bills went from thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands and beyond. And I remember about three or four years into this, being with him, and I just said, how are you doing with all of this? Like, how are you sustaining this, the financial pressure, insurmountable, debts that'll never get paid off, The issue that your son isn't even better after all of these things that you've tried to do and the diagnosis is still brutal. Like, like how are you holding on and putting one foot in front of the other? And he said, bottom line, worship. He said, when things are really dark, I go in and I lay on the floor in my room and I turn all the lights off and I just play worship music. He says, specifically, I play gospel worship music because songs born in suffering and difficulty are what gives me the power to keep going in my own struggle and difficulty right now. He says, I just lay on the floor in the dark. I just weep and cry. And I just sing and give praise to God. I give thanks to the Lord, right? His faithful love endures, even though he's in the battle, even though he doesn't know how he's going to get through it, even though he isn't sure what tomorrow holds, even though he would have hoped God would just do a miracle and make the battle go away. It was worship that saw him through it. It was worship that allowed him to walk. It was worship that allowed him to take those steps in his life. And worship can do the same for you. When you sing. When you worship. It's like the old spiritual. Reminds us of the power of worship. It goes like this. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows. But he knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. But glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'm standing crying, tears running down my face. I cry to the Lord, have mercy. Help me run this race. Lord, I've seen so many trials, so many pains and woes. I'm asking for faith and comfort. Lord, help me bear this load. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Well, no, nobody knows but Jesus. Jesus does know. And so when we come and we worship, Nobody else may know. Nobody's carried your burden but you. Nobody has to walk in your shoes but you. Nobody's seen the trouble you've seen but you. But Jesus has. And so we sing and we worship and we remember we're not alone. That God is still with us. God is still moving and working in us and through us. And that worship. As we lift him up, God shakes things up. As we lift him up, we get the strength and power to face another week. As we lift him up, we get the strength and power to to balance the financial checkbook. Come on, somebody's putting that off right now. As we lift him up, some of you don't get that, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just close that door. We don't open that door. That's the drawer where the bills go. But as we lift him up, We get the strength and power to start dealing with reality. We get the strength and power to start having honest, tough conversations. We get the strength and power to stop moving forward in our faith. We get the strength and power to do what God has called us to do, to be a people that are committed to love and to justice, to be a people that are committed to honoring one another and walking in obedience before God. We get the strength to be a people that can face challenges, face difficulties, face the armies that are coming against us. Not in our own strength, but we remember the battles the Lord's. I may have to face it, but God's going to own it. And so I'm going to lean into him. When you lift him up, He'll shake things up. So this week, if you're in a battle, just remember the power of worship. Maybe for some of you that means just stop before whatever your battle is this week and send some worship on ahead. Before you go into that tough conversation, just put a song on and sit back. And if you can sing, sing. If all you can do is make a joyful noise, make a joyful noise but worship and allow that worship to go ahead. Maybe before you go into a tough day at work, you just take a moment, you put some music on, and you sing, and you worship, and you send worship on ahead. Maybe you're about to face a hard family situation, and before you go into that battle, you just send some worship on ahead. Look, it could change the outcome of the battle, but for sure it will change the situation in your heart and help you get centered and help you be ready. Worship is a weapon. When you lift God up, he shakes things up. Some of you may be at a place where you've never crossed that line of faith in your life. I'd love to give you that opportunity to come to Christ and place your faith and trust in him and to just reach out to him in your own heart and in your own life. And if that's where you're at, I just want to encourage you to repeat a simple prayer after me to ask God to move and work in your heart and life. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And just repeat after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friend, with with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air just to say before God you're going to trust him and follow him in your life today. Just slip your hand in the air. Make eye contact with me. Just acknowledge you're going to trust him. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Just trust him in your life today. God, I thank you for each person reaching out to you today, and I pray you'll move in their heart and life. Restore, heal, empower, forgive, bless, transform, God. Send them out in your power and in your strength. And may we all be reminded of how you fill us with your goodness as we follow you in faith, of how worship is a weapon. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. If you made a spiritual commitment, we're so thrilled for you. I want to tell you congratulations, and uh, I want to encourage you to go to Central.Family and just click the link, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. We'd love to know how we can pray for you or support you, anything we can do for you. Uh, We'd also love to send you a free resource called How to Follow Jesus that'll just help you over the coming days and weeks follow God in your life. Well, I'm gonna ask everybody to please remain seated. We wanna be able to exit you in a safe and socially distant way, but let's put our hands together for Pastor Nick, who's got a few final thoughts for us. Thank you so much, Pastor Judd, what an incredible message. I hope that you've been encouraged and refreshed this weekend through worship, through prayer, and through the power of hope. And if you prayed that prayer and you made that decision to follow Jesus, make him the leader and forgiver of your life, I want to say congratulations because that's the best decision that you will ever make. And we want to help you take a next step. So make sure you go to central.family and click the button that says, I decided to follow Jesus That way we can send you a free How to Follow Jesus guide. But don't forget to also go to central.family and check out all the events coming up, including Me Time, Man Cave, and Girls Night Out. This week is going to be awesome. And even if you're not at a a location, you can join us online. But please, please, please keep tuning in. Keep showing up. We'll see you next weekend. From now until then, hang on to Romans 8, which says, God is for us. Who can be against us?